this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. Well, that is the story of human progress. One inch at a time. I'm your host, Joe DiStefano, and you're listening to Stack. Hey guys, and welcome to the Friday show. Uh, I'm here, and um, yeah, I'm all hopped up on a fatty matcha. Uh, if you guys uh, have been on my Instagram or heard my podcast, I'm like pushing almost a month now with no coffee, which for me was a really big deal. And I just like went on Instagram this morning and exposed, it was kind of a, obviously it's just coffee and caffeine, and it's not like I'm sharing my innermost secrets, but no, I just did a little vulnerability-based post here with um, admitting my addiction to coffee may not be the healthiest thing. And even though coffee can be perfectly healthy, it's the energy and attitude you take to things that matters. And when I heard Paul check, and I've heard him say it before, but when I heard him say, if you can't go three days without something, without something that's your God, I was like, whoa, shit, coffee's my God. I don't want coffee to be my God. So, um, yeah, that's what kind of kickstarted it. And then um, I kind of did some more work on it because when you're going to make a change like that, you're going to quit coffee or quit smoking or quit sitting. You got to have your diet, your your eyes dotted and your T's crossed and, and you got to have a real plan. And I've actually, I've just told the story on a, on a future podcast, but Essentially, what you got to do is break the habit loop. So, you know, if you just say you're going to quit cookies, coffee, sugar, smoking, whatever the case may be, is then the habit loop is going to win. So, in other words, there's the cue, the I want the coffee. I have a headache because I didn't have coffee. I'm tired. I didn't sleep well last night. I took too much CBD. I need coffee. There's the cue. And then there's this response, which would be making coffee, standing in line for coffee, making an instant coffee, taking a caffeine pill or drinking an energy drink, whatever. And then there's the reward, which is feeling good and not having a headache or whatever. But like, if you don't break that, then when the cue comes and you think you're just going to ignore it, if you're successful, first of all, you're going to be the person counting the days. You're going to be like, I've had not, I've not had coffee in 13 and a half days and you know, six six minutes and 42 seconds. It's like, you're just counting the time until you're going to break. And then you're going to say, oh, I went two weeks once. That's why I'm not counting the days. That's why I'm not saying I went three and a half weeks or I went three weeks or I know it's somewhere because I know I started at the beginning of June. It was either the second or the third of June, but I'm just going. And you know what? If I want coffee tomorrow, I'll have it because I've already achieved my goal. I wanted to detox. I didn't want it to be my God anymore. I wanted to be able to take a day off without hating myself. Because <laughs> at the level I was at, and it's only gotten worse since my baby boy was born a year ago, you know, you know, I'm putting back at least two double shots a day, right? And so that's, you know, that's four shots of espresso. Like that's kind of a, a lot of coffee. And, and more importantly, that's an amount of caffeine uh, or an, uh, an amount of artificial energy that, you know, you can't just turn the page from. And so there was a little process, and I'll share at some point. I took a lot of fish oil, a lot of aminos, some SAMI, you know, all these things that can kind of help us deal with, with, a, with a shift in neurotransmitter support or a shift in, in energy perception. So 
Why am I telling this story? I don't know. But I hope if you do want to break a habit in your own life, what I did was I basically focus on Emilia anytime I get the cue because my real goal right now isn't to be super fit. It's not to be the best podcaster in the world. It's to be the best husband and the best dad. And so when I wanted to break this habit, and that would be working on myself and working on my goals, which is to find a new God, then I need to break the habit loop. So when I get the coffee urge, what am I going to do with it? Am I going to go have cookies? Am I going to do something else? And I decided, what if I, every time I get an urge for coffee, I bring Emilia something that I think she needs. And so what I do in the morning is when I get the first one, I bring Amelia a glass of water because I know sometimes she gets up earlier than me or minimally she's been up throughout the night with our baby. And so the first urge for coffee, I say, okay, that's my, that's my cue to bring Amelia a glass of water. And then when the next one comes, I make Amelia a juice. And so now I'm kind of fulfilling my goal of becoming a better husband and a better dad while I'm working on myself and breaking my own addiction and my own habit. So when you need to break a habit, you got to break the loop. You got to figure out, well, what are you really trying to achieve? And how do you weave those two things together so that they lean on each other like a pyramid or like a teepee? Like, and we're going to talk about teepees in a second. But um, yeah, guys. So anyways, that's how I did it. And honestly, this was freaking easy. I've never been able to go, a, I haven't been able to go a day without coffee in like a decade. And this was the easiest three and a half, whatever weeks it's been that I've ever had because you know what? I broke the loop. And then once the headaches stop and all that stuff, then now you're really sitting pretty. So anyways, um, yeah, guys, well, I hope you're well. What I wanted to talk about now, shifting gears is uh, this morning, I was just chatting with my good friends over at Ancestral Supplements. And you guys know I love these guys and I'm so honored that I get to share ancestral supplement products with you guys on this show. They help me put these episodes out. They help make sure the show notes are great. They're doing a lot of that for us and so that this show can come at you every couple of weeks. And I I love these guys. They're so awesome. They're such good people. And you can visit them at coachjodi.com slash ancestral. But why we were chatting is, and if you can tell, like I got my new standing desk, so I'm literally dancing as I'm doing this. And who knows? I haven't even had coffee. Oh, how about that? I'm still dancing. Um, but anyways, it's funny because I'm like excited. I'm moving. I'm like out of breath. <sighs> so I was talking to these guys this morning. And um, it was funny because we talked about breath work. And one of the guys over there said, you know, we're super into it. It's super cool. But we don't think it's that ancestral. It's probably not a thing that cavemen did, right? And that got me thinking, you know, it's a good point. I don't think, you know, we we know for the last four or 5,000 years since we began uh, doing yoga and pranayama that um, people figured out over the last couple of, you know, starting to say 5,000 years ago that we know about, they figured out that you can change your state in a breath, right? They figured out if you do some alternate nostril breathing, you can you can increase your consciousness and become a little bit more centered and grounded. And we know that. But when we talk about ancestral humans, we're talking cavemen, we're talking 2.6 million years to present, right? And over that time, I don't think that um, many cavemen were probably 
doing alternate nostril breathing when they woke up in the morning, right? And it's interesting. I totally agree. But, you know, it's interesting. I like to say unnatural demands require unnatural support. And I think that today it's very likely we need breath work because we're dealing and we have more stress in our lives. And I'll get into this more because I know it's a somewhat not controversial. Like I don't think anyone's too vested on either side, but um, you know, you could say that the stressors back then were more intense, but at least they came and went. And today they're like bills that just keep coming and coming and coming and family relationships, whatever our stress is coming from, it's everywhere and it's all the time. And so minimally that's going to impact our need for some unnatural support that maybe if our stress was only, you know, twice a year for a couple of days, as opposed to every day at a lower intensity, our systems would be more adequately prepared to deal with it. So, um, speaking of which, taking a few exhales here, you can do it with me. Inhale, hum, swallow. Ready? Inhale, hum, or whatever you want to do. Swallow. Inhale. Swallow. Inhale. Hum. Swallow. All right. So I would say that, first of all, my first argument or my first position with this conversation about cavemen probably didn't do breath work was, well, they probably did like more tribal dancing around the fire and and maybe some like chest pounding and thymic thumps and grunts before battles or um, hunting missions. I'm sure that there was some actual breath work, um, although it wasn't called that. And there wasn't like a coach like inhale for three, exhale for two. It was more probably like. Yeah, let's go kill some bison. Right. So it was probably some kind of preparatory celebratory um, ritual based activity that happened to integrate breath work on accident. Um, so yeah. Um, and interestingly though, so when we look at this though, now let's think deeper about it. Like, like why do we need breath work so bad? If cavemen didn't do it, why do we need to do it now? And the first book that, um, that I look to for some stuff like this, it's not a breath book and sorry, I'm still like out of breath. I don't know what's going on today. Hold on, man. Yeah. I don't know. I'm kind of breathing shallow. Maybe it's like because I exposed, you know, what's interesting. You know, what's so interesting right now. I'm like a little out of breath. I'm like, I'm bouncing around. I have plenty of energy, but I feel like weight. I feel like weight in my heart and it's so damn interesting. Could it be? So I heard about this stuff, um, from my good friend, Ben Greenfield, fitness. <laughs> and, um, wouldn't it be crazy if that's it? So anyways, he pushed me onto this stuff. It's called essential oil wizardry. And I just went on the website, you know, used my good friend, Ben's code. I think it's like Ben 10 or Ben 15 or just Ben or Ben 20. And I went on there and I bought, let's see here. I got root. I got third eye. I got throat and I got heart. And these are basically essential oils. Um, and, you know, I'm a believer since my podcast was Jean-Pierre LeBlanc, which we'll link to in the show notes, who's a big time essential oils guy. 
Um, I've been really into them because I felt a pretty big difference when I started using them. But this is just so interesting to me because I feel like I'm a little out of breath. I feel like my like chest has a little bit of weight to it. I actually feel like a little bit of like pain, not like chest pain, but like, like I got some like stuff, like I got some stuff in my chest right now, like some emotion, like, and it's kind of bizarro because I've got this new office set up and I've got my essential oils diffuser and like an hour and a half ago, I've been on calls back to back to back to back today, but I've been pushing this essential oil wizardry and I put the heart one in and it's just been going all morning. And so I got to wonder if like this, I'm, what I'm feeling in my chest is like maybe my heart is opening. Maybe I'm releasing some stored trauma. Maybe I'm under stress as I'm talking about stress and cavemen doing breath work, but hey, it's interesting, and it is a, it is a data point for sure. And if that's what's going on right now, because I do, I don't know if you can hear it on the show, but I'm feeling it. It might be that, and if that's the case, then that's freaking amazing stuff. Okay. Uh, okay, cool. Make sure you use Ben's code if you if you go over there because he's the guy that pushed me onto it. And if it works this well, and if I wasn't on a podcast right now and I was like sitting quietly and what I would do is I would probably put my hands on my heart and I would try to feel what this is and I would try to feel it and I would inhale and my goal would be probably, my goal would probably be to cry because anytime you got heart stuff, if you got trauma, you got energy, um, crying is, is one of the best ways to open that heart up. And a lot of guys, it's not easy. Believe me. I didn't, I didn't cry till I was like 20. True story. All right. Now, okay, let's get back to this. Now, okay, so in Weston Price's groundbreaking book, which was written, I think, in like 1930, 1939, maybe. Um, and basically, it was a recap of his exploration. Um, it was a recap of his exploration. I'm going to unplug my incense thing because <laughs> I think it's messing with me. Um, it was a recap of this journey he had um, embarked on, which was basically he and his wife traveled the world. And this guy's a dentist. This book's more on more a book on dentistry than breathing. But what it does is it shows us that cultures around the world that have had at that time yet to be westernized, and I'm sure a handful of those cultures are still not westernized, especially some of the small, tiny South Pacific Islanders. Um, what he found is their dental arches, their teeth, and their facial structures were fully formed, like far more robust and broad than westernized American, British, whatever cultures. And their teeth were almost always perfect. They were white. They were straight. They probably didn't use Pepsodent. Um, so it's interesting. And then once, now the interesting thing too is along his journeys, he went back to places multiple times. And once Western foods, soft foods, sugary foods, the, the devils of white, right? White flour, white sugar, um, once those enter the scene, the next generation, their dental arches fall, their faces narrow. And guess what? When your face narrows and your arch falls, your teeth have nowhere to go. And that's why they're all over the place and crooked. So super interesting. So when we look at these facial structures, uh, and dental arches of non-Westernized peoples and even modern day hunters and gatherers, their noses because their dental arch is, is broader and their mouth is broader and their teeth are straighter, their noses are much broader. And if we consider breath, as I've talked about on this podcast, as chicken or the egg, 
where, you know, if noses are bigger and more powerful, they're going to be a better default breathing apparatus than a narrow, clogged, deviated nasal column, right? And um, and if the default, because, you know, in terms of structure, um, if we're using our mouth because we got that narrow face, that low dental arch and crooked teeth, then the majority of our 23,000 breaths a day are going to be triggering to our nervous system and put us into that fight or flight, sympathetic, stressful place that would therefore require, require intentional therapy, retraining and breath work to resolve, retrain and reheal. So it's very possible too, that we probably didn't need breath work until our facial structures adapted to a softer, more sugary westernized diet. How about that? Now, another interesting perspective, and um, if it's controversial or offensive or not offensive, but if it's triggering, um, I'm sorry. Um, But another interesting perspective on how we got here might be how today we are born and raised or how we have been over the last like 100 years, and especially the last like 30 years, I'd say. And now I know, and again, if you're a new mom and you have a triggering or a traumatic birth story and um, birth didn't go the way that you wanted it to, I know how hard that can be. Um, And so if you want to turn this off, then go for it. If you just don't want to go there, because um, I know how that is, you know, our birth didn't go perfectly and um, it's a lot to deal with, you know, and again, I think our son is amazing and he came out perfect and I love him to death and but like we didn't have the exact birth we wanted and and that's always a little bit heartbreaking and so anyways before i go into this stuff um if if that's a sensitive subject then you might want to turn it off okay so another interesting perspective though on maybe here like why cavemen probably didn't need breath work but it has to do with how we're born and raised today and now i'll try to focus on the areas that i feel like i can speak Speak to, and maybe I feel safe making some assumptions in rather than some of the elements that might be more complex to accurately or, um, or that I could completely explain in my current knowledge base, such as lower ages of mortality, higher infant death rates, disease. Because I think, like, when we look back at cavemen, like, there's all that stuff, but then there's like, well, they were living on the land and fighting for their lands and hunting every meal with rocks. And, you know, there's a lot that humans dealt with that could make it hard to quantify exactly why infant mortality was high or why life expectancy was low and things like that, right? Um, But anyways, ancestrally, you guys know our noses and, you know, our our noses were probably broader and healthier, more, more, more our default breathing pathway as an ancestral human due to all the stuff I just talked about. We also know our guts were probably healthier and a lot of our stress today actually starts in the gut because- We're exposed to radiation, processed foods. We used to be exposed to a lot of dirt. We slept on the ground. We had a lot of microorganisms on every bite of food. Um, Our stress, again, it came and went. And um, and so we probably didn't need breath work because that was our life. And, And those who survived birth, well, everyone had a natural birth and everyone was almost exclusively breastfed, right? Now... If you gravitate towards the ancestral living idea, uh, then modern births can be so intervention heavy. They can literally be scheduled cesareans, right? 
And some of these birth techniques, and, and it's the scheduling, it's the cesareans, it's the it's the heavy dose of antibiotics just as a per- precaution. You know, it's the um, it's a lot of things. Maybe I'll list off a few more, but it can be traumatic for the fetus in utero and, you know, for the baby when it's born. Imagine, you know, a lot of our first breaths are stressed mouth breaths that can take a lifetime to heal from. That's why there's so many rebirthing classes, right? Imagine being in the dark for nine months and that's all you've ever known. And then suddenly you get literally ripped out and immediately you're in this bright white LED hospital room with 10 people and masks and gowns and you don't know what the hell is going on. And if you're lucky, you get right on your mommy and you get skin to skin and you get the whole thing. But I think there's a lot there that triggers some of our first breaths to be kind of startling and and sort of mouth-based. Now, now we look at how babies are raised and babies today, you know, some of them are not breastfed and maybe they suck on bottles all day rather than boobs. And, and a lot of times kids are told, no, 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 don't do that. Put that down 5,000 times before they're a year old. And that startle response when a kid doesn't know the difference between a knife, a fire, and his toy or her toy, right? And so hearing, no, 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 they create, they, they're very uneasy babies, right? So they don't, they learn to not trust because they don't know the difference between a knife and a toy, but the, I got yelled at for the knife. I didn't get yelled at for the toy. What's the difference? I, I just see toys everywhere. That's all I see. So we get this untrusting, unconfident baby, right? That's, that's used to that startle response. And interestingly, Westerning Price actually talked about, again, 100 years ago, how native tribes would actually, if they caught their baby sleeping with their mouth open, they would gently run their finger around the lips to make sure their mouth's sealed. And today we can mouth tape. I don't know many people that mouth tape their kids, but I know a lot of adults that do. But that just goes to suggest that maybe we didn't do breath work ancestrally, but we knew we needed to maintain nasal breathing. We knew that the nose was for breathing and the mouth was for eating. And recently I was reading that kids, basically like every kid like me that was born in the eighties, uh, we were, we were, our parents were told to leave us alone and that we should cry ourselves to sleep. And turns out this is super non ancestral. <laughs> in fact, like imagine in the ancestral evolution of humanity over the last 2.6 million years with the majority of that time, we were, uh, rubbing elbows with wild animals, large prey, enemy tribes, and the elements. Imagine a baby being left alone. You know, we have the longest nurturing period of any animal, right? Like a horse is born. It can already walk. We have the longest nurturing period. We have to be completely cared for in every way longer than just about any other animal on the earth. And that means when we're born, our safety depends on and our trusting of our environment depends on basically being close to mom or close to dad or close to siblings until we're like six, right? And minimally until we can run through rocks ourselves. So a baby being left alone, unprotected to cry in its own room with the door closed and light off for a baby in its first year or, or even a two or three year old is extremely stressful as an, from an ancestral perspective because um, that baby would be in real danger, in true danger for the majority of the last 2.6 million years. And in modern hunter and gatherer society, it simply doesn't happen. Kids sleep with their parents until they're 
a couple of years old. And, and at that time, when they are done sleeping with their mom or dad or both, they go sleep in a pig pile with the other siblings. So they are almost never alone. Uh, in fact, you know, even I've talked to, I believe maybe it was Dr. Ara, um, but I was talking about try, or maybe it was Eben Britton, but even as an adult, the, the most severe punishment wasn't even death. It was getting kicked out of the tribe because that's worse. That's like the slow death because as an ancestral human, you couldn't survive on your own. You needed your tribe. And that's why lying or deceiving the tribe was one of the most punishable things you could do. And this was the Eben show, I believe. Uh, we can link to it in the show notes. Um, and getting t- kicked out of your tribe uh, was basically the slow way to die because there was no way to go it alone. So alone, being alone and that being in isolation or fear, that's danger, that's stress, that's brainstem level stuff that can stick with us for life. And when we have brainstem level stuff, like my podcast with Lois Laney, I've got two or three of them. We can link to them in the show notes as well. Once it's in our brainstem, that trauma, which is why rebirthing is so freaking powerful. I just had a crazy rebirthing like a month ago, and it was insane. And once something is in the brainstem, it can be really hard to get out of it. But guess what is the fast track to the brainstem? Inhale, hum, swallow, our breath. So if we had more, if we today with soft foods, sugary foods, white flour foods, artificial births, intervention-based births, uh, not enough time with mom, time alone crying, no no, no breastfeeding, chemical microwaved food. Oh my gosh, I was at the pool the other day and we were talking to another family and it's always so hard to relate, right? Because people are just people and they don't know, right? They don't know. And so, and, and as a health and fitness enthusiast, professional expert person, whatever you are, you know, it's like you can't just offer your expertise or what you feel your expertise is in an environment where it's not invited, right? You're just hanging at the pool. Like, don't make someone feel bad that their kid's eating Fruit Loops or whatever. But they were saying, like, they had a newborn baby and they were like, yeah, we got the Keurig baby formula. And I almost fucking fell over. Like, it's just, again, no judgment. Like, it's your decision and maybe you don't have all the information. But, like, that's the type of thing where, like, babies need nutrition. Babies need nutrition. And and I don't even have to look at whatever the Keurig baby food is, Uh to know that it's not as good as breast milk or it's not as good as an alternative food for your child at a at a day old, two days old, right? Curing from a day old is just... Uh. So anyways, this is why we need breath work because our nutrition is low, our radiation levels are high, we're exposed to it. A 5G didn't exist for cavemen, which you don't have to think it's dangerous or anything else, but you have to admit that there's more radiation in the air than there was ever before and our bodies have to deal with that. You know, that's why Chernobyl is a bad thing, right? So it's kind of like the stress response. Chernobyl was like, bam, there's a ton here. Some people died and got cancer and all that other jazz. But what happens when it's lower level, but it's more more chronic, right? That's the exact stress response we're dealing with now. It used to be, bam, stress came like Chernobyl back in the old days when hunters and gatherers were just trying to take over your land. And if you won, you keep your land. And if you didn't, you were taking a hike. That's kind of like what we're dealing with now, where our, that's how we learn to deal with stress with like an intense amount right now. But what happens when it's slow and chronic? Well, chances are 
so are the responses in our physiology and our biology, right? So if there's a little bit of 5G in your neighborhood, you don't get cancer today, but if you live next to a 5G tower, you're probably at, I think it's either a one-third or a two-thirds greater risk of cancer when you're 60, right? So anyways, I don't think cavemen needed breath work, but I think we do. And I think that um, isolation, lack of community, fear, danger, especially at a young age, is probably at the root. Nutrition, hard foods. I keep saying soft foods, but the other thing about ancestral humans, in addition to you know non being non-Westernized, um, kids also probably were eating food right off the bone from a really young age. As soon as they had a tooth or two, they were probably eating like you know the same things their parents were. I don't think they had baby food in a tube uh, 2.2 million years ago. And so, you know, there we go with infant mortality and everything else. I'm sure because some kids choked and whatever else, but those that didn't, they probably had some strong teeth, strong jaws and chiseled facial structure that again would lead to a broader nose and a more default breathing pathway or mechanism that relied on the nose. So anyways, I hope this was fun, guys. Um, again, unnatural demands require unnatural support. You know, cavemen could probably eat gluten too and not have a problem with it because they were eating a thousand million billion microorganisms in every bite, right? They could probably have McDonald's and not get a headache or <laughs> whatever the side effects because they had robust levels of gut health and um, and low levels of chronic stress, right? And so, even though breath work may not have been an ancestral activity. I think they were a probably sneaking sneaking it into some of their rituals and celebrations, maybe even like weekly gatherings, dancing around the fire, et cetera, that they didn't even know about. Um, and then I also think that their default was probably just a healthier breathing pathway mechanism, et cetera. Their stack. So that's another thing, right? Like we sit on our butts, like no, no cavemen, maybe cavemen sat on a rock once in a while. But they probably just sat in a squat or on the floor and they probably walked 10,000 steps a day pulling roots out of the ground and hunting and dragging animals back to camp. So we also could look at the stack and that's why this show is called Stack. So if my feet, I don't have heeled shoes, I don't have narrow shoes, I'm probably barefoot. That creates a really nice base to the stack and when I'm not sitting and I'm moving enough, then my body is strong and stable and that means my head is strong and stable. But if you remember back to the podcast with Doc Jen, where we talked about head position, when that head is forward, it's almost impossible to breathe through your nose. When that head is back, it's almost impossible to breathe through your mouth. So if we have ideal skeletal structure and an ideal stack, that's another way that modern humans get stuck in mouth breathing. Because when we have forward head computer cell phone posture, it actually starts to impinge and narrow the breathing column for the nose. And it's actually easier to breathe through our mouth. So get that stack right, stand tall, and get your breath working, guys. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. It's always a fun time sharing uh, an idea or two or three with you uh, on Fridays, most of them anyway. I appreciate you guys uh, supporting my partners, especially guys like Ancestral Supplements who uh, I absolutely love and appreciate. And there's many, many other partners. Well, not many. As you guys know, I've got like four or five that I really love, that I really support, that I just keep talking about because I'm such a big believer in them. Uh, so thank you for supporting them. Thank you for sharing these shows around, rating, reviewing this podcast. It means the world to me. 
Uh, I'm really excited to be reaching more people these days, and that's because of you guys. So if you don't mind, share this show to somebody right now that could hear it and benefit from it. I appreciate that, guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And we'll see you on Tuesday. You're going to dig the show. It's awesome. And um, yeah, so have a wonderful weekend if you're listening to this on Friday, and I'll talk to you soon. Ciao. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed today's show. For the show notes for today's episode, head on over to coachjoedi.com and click podcast from the menu. If you'd like to leave a review, which I would absolutely appreciate on iTunes or Stitcher, wherever you found this show, please do so. These mean the world to me. They help me understand what my audience is gaining from these shows that I'm pouring my heart into and ultimately helps us to reach more people because these platforms like shows that get reviews. So it helps us out so much. If you're digging the shows, this would be so great if you could just leave a review. Also, I still give away $150 every two weeks to kettlebellkings.com to somebody that reviews my show. So if you leave a review, just screenshot it and email it to hey at coachjodi.com and my team will enter you to win this $150 gift card so that you can outfit your home with a couple of kettlebells on me. Also, when you're in the show notes, you'll find links to any products that we discussed. For full transparency, some of these links do contain affiliate links. This helps me to fund these episodes, pay my staff, and ensure that I'm taking care of the people that take care of us. So I absolutely appreciate you clicking links and using codes. It helps keep this train on the tracks. All right, guys, until next week, thank you as always for listening. I really appreciate you guys subscribing and listening to this show every week. I really put a lot into them, so thank you so much. And you'll hear from me again next week. Take care.